there are 14 paintings in the show. I've, I've had this incredible opportunity to produce a book. So before 2017 is over, both Osage Arts Community and Spartan Press in Kansas City are kind of joining forces on this. And we're producing a book called Rivers and Beasts, 59 paintings by me from Osage Arts Community. So 59 paintings that were all made during this, you know, basically two-year residency from April 2015 to April 2017. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 178th episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Greg Edmondson, who is currently an artist in residence at Osage Arts Community in Bell, Missouri. He's got an exhibition of paintings opening this Saturday, May 20th, in downtown Bell at the Art Center from 2 to 6, so please check it out if you can. And again, his website, gregedmondson.net, so please go there before this interview and see some of the work that we'll be talking about. Do want to remind students that it's that time of year for our annual competition. So if you are currently a BA, BFA, or MA, MFA student, you can apply. And if you've graduated within the last year or last month, you can apply. Once again, the competition is open to all disciplines, and it's super easy. Go to studiobreak.com. You'll find a link to our competition page. You can easily submit a website or you can send 10 images and an artist statement with a small fee. So please apply today. Again, the competition is open to all currently enrolled students as well as those recently graduated and all disciplines. So again, if you know uh, peers or students or whomever, please do us a huge favor and share this opportunity. We want to get the best artwork from around the country, from around the world, and share it via Studio Break. And again, we'll be selecting three winners from each of those categories. So three undergrad and three grad artists to be featured on StudioBreak.com. So once again, our deadline is May, so get those applications in today. If you're hearing this podcast for the first time, I do want to remind you that Studio Break has a number of interviews that you might have missed out on. Again, you can find them on studiobreak.com. You can listen to all of our interviews with our default player on studiobreak.com, but you can also do it via the iTunes store. You can follow that link and subscribe to the podcast there, so please do that. Once again, all of our interviews cover the history of the artists, what they're going through, what their processes are, and what their ideas are, so please check them out. Once again, we do also share images of the artist's work as well as links to their website so you can t- contact them for more information and all sorts of good stuff. So please do that as well. And, of course, you can follow us in a number of social media formats. So please like our Facebook page. You can follow our Tumblr account, that studio-break.tumblr. And you can send all your cool artwork and hellos to at Studio Break on Twitter. And with that out of the way, here is our interview with Greg Edmondson. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Greg Edmondson. How are you doing this morning? Good, good. And yourself? Excellent. You know, and again, we had some uh, ribs and other feasts last night. So yes, stargazing indeed. and chatting. Yeah. So it'll be nice to talk to you about your work a little bit more in depth. Cool. Again, you currently have a show up here at the uh, Art Center in downtown Bell. Again, that opening will be on the 20th. Yes. And at 2 to 6. So again, we'll break down that a little bit later and again, dive into the past. So... Yeah. So wh- where did you where did you start out in, in terms of I guess being hatched and then also again uh 
Just any uh, early impressions uh, growing up where you did? I was born in North Carolina, but basically grew up in East Tennessee and, you know, had drawn all my life, but was like art was not a thing I'd ever studied or really thought about. Interest in becoming a painter or whatever didn't really happen until I was in undergraduate school. Sci-fi films or something? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, the, well, this was a long time ago. Like sci-fi, uh, Decoder yeah. rings and cereal boxes? <laughs> Just about, yeah. <laughs> I started undergraduate school in 1974, so yeah, a ways back. And again, your initial interests weren't like in, in the arts then. So what no, were they? Uh, biology was what you know I, I had done like the, the first year of college biology as a graduating senior in high school, and I thought that's the direction I was going to go. And what kind of like uh, pulled you pulled you into the art scene? Jane Goodall was my hero at the time, but in the 1970s, Jane Goodall was not funded by any educational institution. She was funded by the National Geographic Society. So the the kind of work that she was doing was not really considered science by most uh, university biology programs. I mean, now uh, yes, that now one can do that, but at the time they were really trying to harden the softer sciences. So biology was basically just algebra, mm-hmm. and I kind of lost interest. I drifted into an art history class, which really kind of tipped the scales maybe even more than like intro to painting because it, you know, I suddenly became familiar with people who were contending with the same kinds of issues or thoughts or ideas that I had, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 500 years ago, and I was hooked. That search for uh, some kind of self-expression or... Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I was like 18, so, you know, there was a lot I didn't know. There was a lot I was really questioning. But just seeing that, you know, there were people who were who had sort of asked some of the same kinds of questions or wrestled with some of the same kinds of issues. It, it was like, you know, it, it was cool to see there was evidence of this. Like, it made me feel less odd and <laughs> odd and alone, I think. So. Was there anything that kind of, like, struck you? Because, again, I, I, I'm saying because sometimes, for example, I don't know, ancient Mesopotamian art isn't always the most uh, gravitating uh, kind of subject. Yeah, I guess, you know, the first art history class I took was one of those gigantic surveys, and, mm-hmm. it, you know, it really was just rote memorization more than more than anything. But I, I, I took a class on German Expressionism, and... Mm-hmm. You know, so we we looked at like a period of history with in a little more depth, and it was you know pretty fascinating. And I was just totally unfamiliar with these. You know, these were artists whose work I'd never seen. So and then, so you just enroll in all sorts of art classes afterwards. Yeah, I started taking painting classes, and uh, well, I think that was the most disappointing phone call my parents ever got <laughs> when I told them that I was changing my major from biology to painting. Yeah. And so w- was there anything that was particularly interest in terms of subject? And again, just considering the context, I mean, again, um, programs tend to vary, you know, from place to place that might be figurative based or more abstract. I mean, kind of give us a feel for the time and, and the situation in terms of what you're Well, into. It, you know, it was the 70s. So, that, you know, there was a lot of figure drawing. What, there was a lot of emphasis on drawing the figure and, and uh, drawing from observation. But, you know, the... Most of the faculty that uh, I worked under, you know, had cut their teeth on grandiose, grand-scale abstract expressionism. And, you know, again, like as an 18-year-old, I didn't really, hell, I didn't didn't really have a subject matter that I wanted to explore. And I just, 
Uh, it was kind of cool to see a, a lot of the abstract work that was going on because it sort of indicated that almost anything was possible. But it was not a thing I really felt like I understood very much, you know, at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, it was kind of difficult to to do non-objective paintings, even even when I tried to, you know, at that early age. And so I guess considering the, the timetable and all that, what, how did you wind up coming to graduate school? And, and what was that story? Or Yeah, I, I got out of University of Tennessee undergrad program in like 1980 and uh Moved to Memphis, spent a year selling art supplies at a place <laughs> called the Art Center. But, you know, I had kind of always planned to go to graduate school. I just needed a little bit of a break. So uh, I got accepted to Washington University in St. Louis and, you know, went there like 1983, 4, and 4, 5 academic years. And did things shift there? I mean, I know I know that's a obvious question, but, I mean, I would imagine uh... – Things are always shifting. Yeah, they are. I, the Washu had at that at that moment. Washu had a couple of things that were unusual in terms of technologies. Uh, they had a massive printing press. Uh, you could run like four by eight sheets of plywood through these enormous electrical mm-hmm. uh, uh, motor driven presses. So I ended up. I had some background in printmaking in undergraduate school. But it was pretty technical and at a pretty small scale. So I started making these huge, like, shaped, cut-out intaglio plates and woodcuts. And, yeah, so there was a shift. But, you know, graduate school is only – it's really two years. And it's uh, – the, the bigger shift, I think, came once I got out of the program. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you kind of think about it like it's going to be this encapsulating thing. But, again, it's just like – it's like another series almost, you know, or just kind of like a beginning of a – uh, learning how to kind of keep reinvigorating or renewing things on your own, you know? Yeah, probably the best thing about grad school was that it, you know, it gave you this chunk of two years with, like, no excuses. Mm-hmm. You know, you either you work in your studio trying to accomplish something or you don't. That's what you're there for. It, it was a little different than, you know, like working at an art center in, in Memphis and trying to paint at night. So. Well, and I'm curious, too, like, in terms of just, like, um, influences or, or people that maybe you'd seen there, I mean, was there anything that kind of helped shift your... You're thinking, again, kind of going back to that initial art history class to, you know, something that made you kind of see what art could be or what you maybe wanted to make. We had a couple of visiting professors while I was there. David Nash, you know, British sculptor who's all who's part of the sort of truth in truth to materials kind of movement. He was Andy Goldsworthy's professor at some point. Spent a little time working closely with him on a couple of projects, and that kind of uh, affected my – what I was – hoping to do at the time but we uh wolfgang max faust who was at the time the editor of art forum international was a visiting professor i became familiar with a lot of the uh contemporary work that was going on in europe well you know through his visit which was pretty fascinating to me and so what kind of work were you making then i guess at the end as you're graduating comically i mean the work was primarily figurative then and it's like i haven't i haven't depicted a figure in 20 years <laughs> right. now so yeah it was kind of kind of odd and so what came after i mean did you stick around in st louis or no uh immediately i i had applied for a fulbright to germany when i was in grad school but i did not get it but i did get uh, a grant from something uh, called the daad deutsche akademisches austauschdienst you see why the germans abbreviate it but it was kind of like Fulbright, but from the German side. So I spent just immediately, like the day after graduation, uh, I went to Cologne, Germany for nine months. 
And then while I was there, I reapplied for the Fulbright and actually got it this time. So I, I came back to the States for a couple of months and then turned back around and zipped off to Germany. And basically lived in Germany from 1985 to 1990. And it's got to be a little different than than the uh, <laughs> the Tennessee. It, it, it was radically different than Tennessee, and it's you know, I, and I also managed to be there during the period of time when the Berlin Wall came down, which was like a remarkable thing. What was the setup like? I guess in terms of just like being able to make work there while you're there. I mean, do you have like studio spaces or? Yeah, the the, the DAD was a little. The, the first nine months was a little clunkier, but I had stayed in touch with Max Faust, and he kind of hooked me up with some people from whom I could rent a studio. But the uh, the Fulbright, I mean, you got a monthly stipend. They, you know, I got an apartment, and they provided a studio. So it was it was kind of – it was actually really similar to, like, grad school, but grad school in a foreign country. What brought you uh, back to the United States? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, I came back – but at the time, I came back in 1990, and I thought that I was really going to be able to maintain the ability to kind of just bounce back and forth between the states and Europe. That was an easy thing to do when you were being funded by an organization, but mm -hmm. it, it became a much more complicated thing, you know. Yeah, airfare and art supplies getting yes. to and from. Yes, yeah. And so uh, what did you do when you got back here? Almost immediately, there was an effort to rebuild Black Mountain College. And having grown up in the South, you know, Black Mountain was like uh, this iconic mm -hmm. uh, sort of something that we all looked up to, all, all this like art kids from the South. So I was a visiting professor there the first year that they were open and then became the head of the art program at Knoxville College, a traditionally black, you know, United Negro College Fund School taught there for two years and did not have very much fun with that. It was, it was the college is, uh, the college has gone belly up. Uh, the college no longer exists and it was well on its way to collapsing when I was there. So a lot of little stints and travels and yeah. so where did you land anywhere more permanent or, uh, yeah, in, in 93, I got a four year visiting gig at Webster university. So I, I moved back to St. Louis, which seemed odd at the time, but I thought I was just going to be there for four years became a father in year two, so those four years turned into 22 years. From 1993 to 2015, yeah, St. Louis was home base. And so you're also kind of like making work and exhibiting and traveling? And yeah, I tried to, you know, I, I had a, I tried to maintain a studio practice pretty actively throughout that whole time, and for the last 15 years, I had a, a really terrific live workspace in downtown St. Louis. But, you know, it's, like uh, the four-year job was just a four-year job, so I ended up having to do a lot of adjunct teaching. Jesus, I I drove a truck for an art shipping and handling company. You know, swung a hammer for a couple of people that had small construction mm -hmm. businesses going. Yeah, all kinds of nonsense. In terms of that time there, I mean, did you kind of like get into a groove in terms of you know like focused work and and I guess what was it? What was it about? What were you into at the time? It took a good while, I, I guess for about 10 or 12 years before coming down here to Osage, I had, I, I began to do some really generative system-based work. Uh, initially, I saw this as like just a studio exercise, you know, something mm -hmm. to sort of keep me active without necessarily needing to have a, an end sort of goal in sight. But I had no idea it was going to turn into, you know, like a dozen years worth of work. So it, it, it took a while, though, you know, to really, yeah, to, to find any kind of groove. Because 
for some of this time, like for the last 15 years, I had a, a stable studio situation, but for some of this time, you know, I like, it was hard to work on large scale things mm-hmm. or really hard to even maintain a focus when you're living in a tiny cramped apartment or, you know, raising, raising a baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These were predominantly like works on, on paper with, yeah, uh, works on paper or, uh, you know, Frosted mylar, uh, architectural vellum, and, and they're really—they were all done with pencil. It was like I, I was kind of—you know—I wanted to do a couple of things. I wanted to remove notions of personal narrative from from my work, and I wanted to step away from like obvious skill base. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, these things still required a, a a tremendous amount of precision, but it wasn't like such an obvious skill set as you know as would be easily recognized by someone if you were depicting the world as it looked. So, and again, like in terms of these systems, I mean, like they're kind of like uh, more geometric or like shape kind of based things or they they were really based in sort of like patterns of organic growth, Uh, you know, pattern, pattern and code are the, are the means by which information is stored and transmitted, whether it's biological or technological so, you know, these things were, they were still about the world. They weren't so much about the way the world looks mm-hmm. as, as they were about, you know, the way things grow. They, they were based in really simple systems, but through just basically repetition, sequence, and dispersal, you could, you could generate a, a remarkably complex image through, you know, a, a super simple process. And you could push these things to the point where they would almost begin to collapse again. So it, it was you know, pretty fascinating. But it, it, it was really time-based and really tedious kind of work. So when I came here, I felt like it would be important to try and move through ideas a little more quickly. So that's, that's where the shift in what I've been doing for the last two years yeah. really came from. And, and again, I'm curious, too, in terms of like a process, then, are you someone that is like pulling from stuff that's out there in the ether or is it like about that process of like sitting down in front of this big, you know, blank, uh, space essentially and, and to kind of work and then react to what you're, you're doing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's crazy. It's, I think the work has become more about ideas than, than even, you know, it's, it's less based in visual, in visual cues or, or, you know, visual imagery that I, imagery that I would see walking around and, and more just, there's, you know, this weird element of science, you know, kind of still pulls mm-hmm. into this a little bit. It was fascinating to see what these systems, you know, how how, how remarkably self-organizing these systems could become. So, And again, so we're in, you know, lovely downtown Bell we Arts are. Center. We're both residents. We've got yes, a whole, whole week of uh, <laughs> discussion and chatting and stuff like that. So you've been here for 25 months, I'm, I think? Uh, I applied to come here for a three-month stint, and I showed up on April 1st of 2015. So I, I've been here now. 25 months. And again, the, the show right now has roughly like three different bodies or so. Well, or? The, yeah, there, there are 14 paintings in the show. I've, I've had this incredible opportunity to produce a book. So before 2017 is over, both Osage arts community and Spartan press in Kansas city are kind of joining forces on this. And we're producing a book called rivers and beasts, 59 paintings by me from Osage arts community. So uh, 59 paintings that were all made during this, you know, 
basically two-year residency from April 2015 to April 2017. What's, what's interesting to me is, again, he went back uh, in time 26 months and said, hey, you're going to have all this work uh, in, in two years' time. Yeah. I mean, is, is that just kind of crazy? Just, I mean, it seems like it's very productive time here. It has been. I mean, that's just when I realized that I could pick out 59 paintings – and and that wasn't even all of the stuff that I right. felt like I'd made here. It was like, yeah, so that's, you know, pulling off 30 paintings a year is, is really not a bad, not a bad batting average. I'm curious, you know, like in terms of like a typical day, and I know, again, these things uh, fluctuate, you know, based on productivity and stuff like that. But, what, I mean, how might your, your studio day start, I guess? I, I guess I have produced maybe four relatively distinct but related, you know, bodies of work here. And most of the work came from really, like, uh, intense, punctuated periods. Putting this exhibition together or doing this little book that I just did with John Dorsey, there's been all this, like, you know, publicity-type stuff you have to do, and that kind of pulls you out of the studio. But there, there have been periods of months where, you know, painting, cooking, uh, you know, that's like, that's all you've really got to focus on in the day. So I would, uh, you know, get up at five o'clock in the morning, paint for three or four hours, go back to sleep, <laughs> get up, make some coffee and start, you know, start working in the studio again. I was doing a lot of painting at night at first because, you know, just the, the, the property and everything was so beautiful. You know, I was just kind of wandering the river and the woods and everything during the daylight. But I, I've started to become a more diurnal creature now. I think I'm, I'm painting in the daylight. <laughs> well, and I guess I'm curious, too, you know, going from St. Louis to, to rural Missouri, I mean, has that been just something where you're, I mean, I don't know, it's just got to be an amazing experience or at least one that you... Yeah, it's it's fascinating. But, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I grew up in the hills of Tennessee, and it's really not all that, you know, this uh, Bell, Missouri is not that different from Lake City, Tennessee, you know, where my mom's farm was. So it's a, uh, but, but it, but the, you know, the pace of life really slows too. And you don't have all of those, you know, all the things that, that tug on your attention span, basically, you know, when you're back in the real world. So, Streaming. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of that kind of just disappears. And so also, I, I believe, again, so your, your work has also shifted to kind of use a lot of different materials now, or at least ones that you hadn't anticipated well, to be using when you yeah, came here. I mean, I, I'm, I am against my better judgment becoming a painter again. And that's <laughs> a, you know, when I first came here, I was, I was making objects, the flat, you know, 2d imagery I was making, I, I would, I tended to think of as drawings because of both the materials I was using to make them, but also be, the, the nature of the imagery. I mean, they were basically like a, a structure or something that kind of hung or floated in space. And so the, you know, the works that I've been doing over the last couple of years have become much more about the space that, that things exist in. So, you know, for that reason alone, these things, I, I tend to think of them more as paintings and less as drawings. And so in, in terms of the, the color choices and selections, is there a, a story to that And in terms of some of the work? Because some of them seem kind of like more like monochromatic and then some seem kind of more like contrasting in colors or... Well, you know, I've been thinking a lot about there are color strategies involved in these things. When I first got here, like the world, I, I got here on April 1st, there was not a leaf on a tree. By the end of April, green was like the only color, you know. <laughs> so I did, and, and I've, I've tried before in my life to make green paintings. I think that somehow I've never had a tremendous amount of luck making green paintings. So I wrestled with that, and I think I pulled off a couple of decent green paintings uh, when I first started. 
And then, you know, the, the sky is so predominant here. And every evening, you know, the sky, you, you go from a, a green world to like purple, pink, and orange. So I, I think that, I, you know, I started playing with some really almost sick, uh, you know, processed magentas. And I, I made, I spent a couple of months making purple paintings. And is it primarily like watercolor or? Watercolor, gouache, and, uh, and acrylic. You know, I, I would love to start working with oils again. It's been a long time. But the, uh, you know, the one thing about being out on the farm is like there there is not sort of disposal for, you know, turpentine and lithotine mm-hmm. and, you know, nasty. I, I think I might poison myself in my studio. <laughs> so it's all been, yeah, water-based material. Excellent. And so, again, um, there's 14 paintings up. This last couple of years worth of work again. It's got to be pretty pretty exciting to to be able to see it. And yeah, it is. It is. It's well, basically everything in the show, almost thirteen of them have been made since uh, November of 2016. One of them goes all the way back to maybe August. Mm-hmm. But so basically, you know, the work in the the work that's up in the gallery now is all just from the last few months. Yeah. Again, I, I can't imagine being as productive uh, when you're not, <laughs> yeah. you know, a resident here at Osage no, Artist. No. I would not so, have. I guess just because I'm, I'm, you know, I think this is an interesting place for myself, or mm-hmm. you know, a special place. Um, but, but how is it? How is it for you? I guess in, in terms of those ideas, or is there anything that you can kind of gleam uh, for someone that might be curious? Well, it's. I, I mean, it's it's been life changing in a lot of ways. It's uh, you know the the shift that's taken place in my practice is maybe more significant to me even than the amount of work that's happened here. But just you know, there's. It's a it's a very fluid situation here. You know, it's 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 very mutable. It's you know people people pass through. There's there's always you know fresh folks, fresh ideas. Well, it's it's actually it's really been a remarkable experience. Yeah, and again, because there's a, right now I think a handful of poets as well as a handful of visual artists. Yeah. So again, those conversations can be <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, you know? when I first got here, everyone was a visual artist. And the, but then for the last, uh, I don't know how many months, you know, I, I've been the only visual artist on the farm. There's uh, someone that's a, a fellow who's been associated with the place for a long time that's here. But yeah, I was surrounded by poets um, entirely. Always like a different conversation, a different angle. Uh, you know. Very, yeah. And again, as as we've kind of mentioned before, uh, crack bacon. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. you know, the, <laughs> yeah. The bulk of of Osage Arts community is a working farm. So yeah, the beef, pork, chicken, and eggs all come straight off the farm, and that's spectacular. Yeah, I, I think it seems like a place where you can very easily feel loved. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, I think Mark kind of does a really good job of uh, keeping that that special feeling uh, inside of all of us. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, again, um, is there a place that people can come and uh, check out your work? Well, yeah, uh, the show here is, you know, the, the Osage Arts Center in lovely downtown Bell. Yeah, my website is gregedmondson.net. And then... By the end of June, I'll have a show in Omaha, Nebraska at the Metropolitan Community College, I think is what it's called. Myself and an artist, I think from Kansas, Stephen T. Johnson, we were the jurors for the the school's uh, BFA thesis exhibition. So they're giving us a two-person show. Awesome. And again, I can't imagine you running out of paintings, I guess, when you got so many of them to, to ship I, w- I will not run out of paintings. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for talking to yeah, me today. My pleasure. All right. 
Thanks once again to Greg for joining me. Once again, his exhibition of paintings is currently on view at Osage Art Center in Bell, Missouri, so please check it out. Again, the opening for his show is this Saturday, May 20th, from 2 to 6 p.m., so please stop in and say hello. After that, his paintings go off to Metropolitan Community College in Omaha. And, of course, the easiest way to stay up to date with what Greg has going on in the studio is to check out his website, gregedmondson.net. And once again, look out for that book later this year. And I'll remind you once again that our student competition is now open, so get your applications in. Again, it is open to all BA, BFA, MA, MFA students, and that could be currently enrolled in a program or recently graduated within the last week or in the last year. So please get those applications in and, of course, let people know about it. Again, it's open to all disciplines and you can go to studiobreak.com and look on the left. You'll find a link to the competition page. Again, it's very simple. You send 10 images and an artist statement or just simply share a website, pay a small fee, and there you go. Once again, we'll be featuring three winners from the undergraduate and graduate categories to be featured on Studio Break. So again, if you want to share your work, please apply. And of course, if you know anybody that would be interested in this opportunity, students or peer alike, encourage them to apply. Again, share your work. It's great to get it out there and to get eyeballs on it and to get people interested. So the deadline is, of course, the end of May. So get those applications in today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please check out some of the other ones that you've missed out on on studiobreak.com. Again, each of our posts have images of the artist's work, as well as links to their websites and these handy interviews, which share all sorts of insight into the studio practice. So please check them out. Again, you can listen right in Studio Break's default player, or you can click that iTunes link and subscribe to the podcast there. Please follow us on social media. Again, we are in a number of places. You can like our Facebook page and get updates there. You can also share posts, so please do that. You can also follow us on Tumblr. That's studio-break.tumblr. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter. So, again, that's at Studio Break on Twitter. You can send us artwork, opportunities. Say hello. You could reach out and just say hello. So please do that as well. Once again, I'd like to thank Skylar Mail, who provides the music to Studio Break. You can see his visual art, his performance, and all sorts of good stuff at SkylarMail.net. And you can find my artwork, my paintings, at DavidLinaway.com. So check that out if you haven't. And as always, thanks so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. We'll talk to you real soon. <laughs>